January, really for our vision statement for the year, Greater Vision. Um, we try to, I try every year to try to give us a word, and this year I have to say a phrase because it's more than one word, uh, to kind of define our year, to kind of give context to everything that we do, give understanding to the things that we're going to do and the things that we're not going to do, how we're going to do things. And so last year, if you were around, if you remember, hopefully you remember, uh, our year last year was... Um, intentional and everything was built around Ephesians 5:15 that uh, past scripture that says be very careful how you live not as unwise but as wise right we were being every we very wise and hopefully you were wise in some of the decisions that you made uh, last year hopefully we as a church were wise in those things and so this year we've we've changed our our word and we've changed our focus a little bit but still doing everything with intentionality now we are asking God for greater vision, which means that we are asking God uh, that we could see things the way God sees things, that we could see people the way God sees people, that we could see um, forgiveness and restoration the way God sees forgiveness and restoration, that we could see sin the way God sees sin, that we could see needs and hurts and uh, opportunities to serve and to love the way that God sees them. And so our, our theme for this year is greater vision, trying to get on board with what God has. And I believe that that radically changes uh, our perspective in a lot of different areas of our own personal life and our life collectively as a church. We can't live with greater vision just within these walls. We have to live with greater vision outside of these walls. And so next week we'll have uh, we'll have our little invite cards back. Remember, we uh, printed those off for you last year. We gave away uh, a thousand of those things last year. Um, and and the, the majority, let me just brag on our kids for just a second. The majority of the kids within our kids ministry and our Wednesday night kids ministry, they get those little invite cards and they, they stuff their pockets full of them and they go to school and they hand them out. Uh, I had one mom call me and say, listen, I got home from Wednesday night church and I was like doing laundry and I pulled out this wad of invite cards from my kid's pocket. I was like, what are you doing? Why are you stealing these from the church? And they're like, I'm not stealing them. I hand them out at school, mom, I promise. And so we'll have those back this next week with our new Greater Vision logo on it. And then next week as well, I've, I've got little silicone wristbands for everybody. I'm wearing mine because I'm special and I dug into the package uh, this week. And then you all get them next week, okay? Uh, and they all say Greater Vision and they have our logo on them. And so it's just a good reminder uh, to live your life outside of these walls with greater vision, that the people that you encounter and the people that you interact with, that God's giving you an opportunity to impact them with a greater purpose, with a greater intentionality this year than even last year, this time than even last time you talked. And so that's going to be our push and that's going to be our goal and that's our whole uh, kind of uh, uh, mantra for the year, if you would. And so it all starts with, last week what we talked about, starts with trusting him and knowing him. Those were my two points from last week. I told you that last week's sermon was really a really long one, right? And so I split it in half and you're going, really? That was half? And that was just last week. We're going to take the other half of it this week. And so the first two points of trusting him and knowing him uh, was last week. And I'm going to give you points three and four this week as we work through it. But it really all begins with this idea of trusting him and knowing him. And, and I believe that's where our faith gets real. Because we can give lip service to things, right? We can, we can say, oh yeah, I totally trust that God has a plan for me and has a vision for my life. But when it, and, and, and I, I can know him and I know that he does that and I trust that he does that. But there's a difference when we say, okay, God, I don't know what the next step is. I trust you. I'm a little nervous, if I'm honest, and maybe I'm even a little scared to take this next step. But, but God, I trust you. And I know that you can handle 
whatever life throws at me. Next, see, there's a difference between living like, well, I kind of know it, but I'm just going to do my own thing. And then I, I don't know what's next, but I trust him. And I know it's him who's bringing it to me. So there's two different ways to live here. And what we're pushing us towards is this idea of, of just trusting whatever's next, of really kind of just diving in to whatever God has for us next. And so, like, we started Wednesday night. Uh, Wednesday night in our adult Bible study, uh, we started our study of James. And so we're going to go through the book of James. We're gonna, last week we talked about the man of James, who James was, and all that kind of stuff. And, and everybody likes to take James a little out of context. James 2.18 says, you show me your faith by what you say, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Right? And people like to say, oh, that's him talking about earning your salvation and, and you know, a works-based grace. and all that kind of stuff. That's not what James is saying. James is saying that because of what I believe, my actions change. I'll show you my faith by how I live it out every single day. I'm not just going to give lip service to this. I'm actually put action behind it, and I'm going to change the way I live. And by the way I live, you're going to see the faith that I hold on to. And that's really what we're pushing you to do. So this year, above all things, we're asking for greater vision, right? So that we can do and act and obey in ways like we never have before. And so uh, last week's Two points for trust him and know him. If you didn't, if you weren't here last week, I'm going to give you the 10 second recap of last week. And if you believe that, then uh, man, you're disappointed. If you if you weren't here, here's the 10 second recap. Okay, Jesus starts off in, in John chapter 14 and says, "Trust in God, trust also in me." Right? Because everything that we do starts off with trusting Him. We cannot move forward unless we trust who He is and what He has. For us. And then he says, listen, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare something and I'm going to get everything ready. And then Thomas looks at him and says, well, how are we going to know the way? How can we know which way to go? And Jesus famously responds, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Philip, our boy Philip, we all kind of identify with him in this passage. And he says, just, God, just show us the Father and that'll be enough right? Just show us God, like rip open the heavens and let us see him. And then we'll totally believe everything that you say. Everything will make sense. That will be enough. And, and Jesus responds, Philip, how, how could you say that? Don't you even know me? Don't you know who I am and what I've done? And Philip, just like all of us, kind of felt like a dummy, right? Because we're asking God somehow to prove himself to us as if he has to do that. Because he is, if you don't remember, God, and he doesn't have to prove anything to us if he doesn't. He's proven himself time and time again, and yet over and over again we keep saying, if you'll just keep showing me, if you'll just prove to me one more time. And so our whole points from this last time were know him and trust him. And then there was a little bit in the, in the middle of all that where we, we healed a bunch of marriages, right? We made some relationships right because we allowed husbands and wives to look at each other and point their fingers at each other and say, you're not perfect, right? And it was all really good and we all smiled and laughed. And if you weren't here, then you need to watch back last week uh, online or listen to it on our podcast because one way or the other, that will heal uh, some very important things. I've heard that statement repeated three times this week, not by my wife, to me, thank you very much, uh, but to other people within our church going, you know what? You're not perfect. Neither am I. I'm like, thank you for listening. If you didn't get anything out of last week, maybe you got that, okay? And so we, we, we worked our way all the way up to this point. And so we're just going to take our passage of Scripture. We're going to keep pushing through. So we got to understand, trust Him. we got to understand, know Him. And then if you've got your Bible, go to John 14. We're going to start in verse 11. It says this. This is Jesus still talking. And He says, Believe me when I say... 
that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Can you even begin to understand the depth of this statement that Jesus just made? He says, believe me when I say, or, or at least believe the evidence. It is absolutely reprehensible. That's not the right word. Absolutely audacious or atrocious or inconceivable or it's whatever big fancy $10 word you want to put in there. It's absolutely ridiculous to God that we would not believe in him. It's beyond like his like normal. It's, it's completely out of left field for us as creation to look at the creator and go, I don't know if I really believe that or not. God, it's almost really hard for him to wrap his head around the thought that we could not somehow believe in him. It's like this. It's like having a two-year-old. Y'all remember your two-year-old little terrorist that used to live in your house, right? Who would run all over the place and question everything and then mess up everything. 90% of the time, you're trying to keep them from, uh, from seriously injuring themselves, and the other 10% of the time, you're explaining to them why you're trying to keep them from injuring themselves because they're just all over, right? They're all over the place. It's like you walking up to them and having a very simple conversation that should not have to take much explanation. It's on a bright and sunny, beautiful summer day, you walk up to them and say, the sky is blue. And they look at you and go, ah, I'm going to say it's green. And you're like, no, the sky is blue. And you're like, mm, I'm a two-year-old toddler. I know everything about everything, and I think it's green. And as frustrated as you would get in that moment, some of you, let's, let's be honest, we'd spank a kid, right, uh, just for talking back. They, they, you would just be like, you don't understand. Not only do you not understand why, it, like, I know more than you know, right? Some of you are having that conversation with your teenager right now. I know more than you. Some of you are having that with your husbands right now, right? I know more than you know. It's not even though that you, you don't know. It's that, and this is, it's, it comes across as a derogatory statement, but it's not. It's that you're ignorant of it, which means you're, you lack the information to know. And so you're looking at this two-year-old toddler and going, you're just, you're just, you just don't know. You're just, you never look at a two-year-old. You're ignorant. Don't do that. I'm just saying like, there's just this concept of them not being able to understand because you get like light refraction and atmospheric conditions. And the reason why we see light as blue in the sky, because you paid attention to earth science in the seventh grade, right? You, you understand all that, but this two-year-old doesn't get it. Can you imagine what God feels when he speaks something over us? And we say, uh, I don't know if I believe that or not. I don't know if I can really hang on to that or not. It's completely outrageous, right? It's completely ridiculous. And Jesus is saying here in, in John 14, believe me when I say, or, or, if, or at least just believe the evidence of the miracles Listen, believe me when I say that I am the Father and the Father is in me. Hello, I am God and God is me. This is what Jesus is saying. So our point number three is very simple. If we're going to trust him and we're going to know him, then number three, we have to believe him. We have to believe him. 
We have to believe when he says something to us. And listen, I believe this may be the hardest of all of them, right? We can trust somebody. We can know somebody. We can put our faith. But to put our faith into somebody is a whole other level of commitment and intimacy and dependence. Some of you, real talk, I believe, know enough and believe enough about him, right? But we really don't believe him. You don't believe that there's no conditions for his love, that when he says he loves us unconditionally, that nothing can separate us from his love. We just really don't believe that. We don't believe that he can overcome our past and not only just overcome it, but maybe even help us use our past to help other people. You don't believe that joy can come from sorrow, that maybe when we're at the end of our rope, Maybe just maybe it's not because God abandoned us. It's because he put us there so that he is the only thing that we can hold on to. We don't believe him. Because believing that means something bigger. And it means maybe even that we've missed that something bigger for a long time in our life. Or maybe that you believe the lie that, that somehow you have to, believing in him means you have to abandon logic and understanding, right? Because we, we see this big division between uh, faith and science, and really there's not. There's just this really incredible cohesiveness between the two. And we believe the lie that if we believe in logic and we believe in, in understanding, then we cannot somehow put faith. But what we understand when we begin to really do this is that faith fills in the gap where, where logic and understanding fail. We can't always understand everything about everything. Our minds really cannot fathom and comprehend all things. And because we can't comprehend those things, that's where faith steps in and says, I don't have to know all this. God does. And that's not a, that's not a cop-out. That's not a crutch that we use. That's, that's logic. That's me saying I'm not literally able to comprehend everything that I can comp- that, that's going on in this world, but there's got to be something that's greater than this world, that's outside of this world. That's the difference between, we, we can get into this later, but it doesn't have anything to do with this morning. This idea of what's being taught in school as far as evolution and all that kind of stuff, what, what needs to be taught is intelligent design. Because intelligent design is a thought that says, listen, there's a creator to this. This has to be put together by someone who's smarter than us. And guess what? It's not aliens. No matter what that dude with the crazy hair on the History Channel says, right? It's not aliens, right? It's not that guy. It's, it's God. It's intelligent design because what we understand can't be brought out of some kind of primordial ooze, right? What we experience and, and, and see and, 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 and feel and touch and smell and all those things in our world can't just come out of nothing, has to come out of the very mouth of the Creator. And so we say that's intelligent design. That's the way we should be doing that. But we can't understand all that. That's where faith comes in. And so we don't have to separate faith and logic when it comes to understanding. It just They go very hand in hand. And Jesus is saying, believe me when I say. And if you can't, listen, if you can't believe me what I say, then believe the evidence of the miracles around you. I used to do this little exercise when I was your student pastor, and so we're going to do it in here. Okay, everybody, take your index finger, hold it out in front of you. This is your pointing finger, uh, your, your pointing finger, and then turn it around and look at the very tip of it. Just keep looking at it because it's kind of neat. If you have uh, bifocals like I do, you have to kind of stretch it out a little bit to find that focus point. There's there's different little swirls. These are called uh, loops and whirls. And ridges. These are, I had to learn all that way back in the day of banking so that I didn't make sure somebody stole from me. All your little fingerprints. Right now, there are 7.7 billion people on the planet. 7.7 billion people on the planet. And nobody has a fingertip like yours. Isn't that weird? 
And all the little swirlies and some of y'all have like, looks like little waves. Some of them kind of round all the way, almost all the way around. But nobody's looks like yours. I'll do you one even better. I went back in uh, some records and some things uh, that are online because if it's online, it's going to be true. But I did go to some populist government um, websites and all that kind of stuff that says world population numbers go all the way back to 1950. Uh, I don't know if they didn't count people before 1950 or they just didn't care, but that's when the record started, okay? 1950 to now, I added it up. There have been 350 billion people. 350 billion, 140 million, 686,000, 686,000, all right, 686 people on the planet. 350 billion. And out of all those billions since 1950, Nobody has a fingertip like yours. Isn't that weird? Isn't that creative? Doesn't that prove that, that God maybe is who he says he is? That, that the evidence around us? Hey, listen, think about that little smart mouth two-year-old toddler we were talking about earlier. How somehow in cell division and uh, embryonic development, this human was developed that, that can that can be birthed and can be uh, grown up and has hair and fingernails and eyelashes and earlobes and all that kind of stuff because that's the way God designed it. If nothing else, then go outside tonight and look up in the sky and, and recognize the incredible expanse that we call the universe that is ever-expanding, right? It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Know that God's ruler for the universe is a light year, right? A light year is how far light can travel at 186,000 miles a second over the course of a year. That, uh, I'll do the math for you. That's 5.88 trillion miles. So God's ruler is 5.88 trillion miles long. Isn't that crazy? And the closest star to us outside of our sun is called Alpha Centauri. Alpha Centauri is 4.22 light years away. That's 4.22 times 5.88 trillion miles away. I'll do the math for you. It's just shy of 25 trillion miles away. And God speaks all of this existence. Psalm says that out of the mouth of God, the stars have their being. Isn't that crazy? If you don't believe his words, just look around and believe the evidence of the miracles around you. This is not hard to see and to do. Now he's talking to the disciples, which is incredible because the disciples have seen firsthand miracles. Like he's seen water turn into wine. He's seen Jesus raise the dead and heal the sick and, and give sight to the blind and give, um, give hearing to the deaf. And, and he's seen uh, these sick people who, who, who come to him covered in sores and, and Jesus just touches them. And, and immediately their source are, are gone. They've seen lives that have been radically changed. People who, who were so hated and so despised by individuals. God's come in and, and spoken to them. And they've lived a life full of love and grace and forgiveness and mercy. Listen, we can talk about the people that Jesus encountered in Scripture all day long. And these disciples have seen it. They've seen firsthand the miracles that God has done. They've seen him feed 5,000 men on the side of a mountain. Men only were counted because if you counted the women and the children that were there, it's probably closer to eight to 10,000 people. And then he did it again later with 4,000 men. And, and they see this happen over and over and over. And he said, all these things the disciples had witnessed, they said, how, 
How can you not believe this? Jesus said, believe me when I say, or if not, just believe the things that you've seen. In the same way, church, how could we not believe all the things that we've seen and that we know that God is? How could we not just believe in him? And I know that most of you are saying right now, most of you are saying, Matt, I do believe. I totally believe in him. Then my question to you this morning is, then why don't you live like it? Why don't you live like you believe what he says? When Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself, why don't we? When Jesus says, I know that I have the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans for hope and a future, why don't you believe him? When Jesus says, if you want to be first, then you've got to be a servant to everybody, then why don't we serve? When Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that that people see your good works and praise your Father who is in heaven, why do we hide behind our faith? Why do we act like it's something that we're supposed to be ashamed of in some reason? Listen, when he says, everything that's been done in darkness will be brought to light, why do we act like our little secret sin, that thing that's hurting nobody but myself, why do we try to hide that, acting like nobody's ever going to find out? Because God says it's going to. It's going to be brought to light. I know. What it is, if we believe him, why don't we live like it? So our points are trust him, know him, and believe him, right? So we got one more, and this one doesn't fit, and I know it doesn't fit, but it just makes sense. Uh, We're going to see this equation play out in just a second, but number four is do. Just do. And I know that doesn't seem like it goes very well, but I couldn't make that into anything more fancy than it is. Just do. Keep reading. Uh, John 14, verse 12 says this. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. This is our, this is our theme verse for the year, this John 14, 12. This is it. This is what we're going to continue to go back to over and over and over again. Uh, gives us this context of even greater things, right? But he says from the very beginning, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And that just should blow your mind for just a second. Because everything inside of us would go, listen, we just listed off all the incredible things that Jesus has done, right? Um, all, the, all the miracles, all the healing, all the teaching, all the de- raising of the dead. Is that him saying that we can do this too? Yes and no. Here's what I mean. Can I call somebody back to life? No, I can't. <laughs> I cannot do that. Can I walk up to a blind person and rub their eyes and, and declare for them to have vision? No, I can't do this. Listen, I can't even walk on water. I know you guys think I'm awesome, but I don't want to disappoint you. I can't do that. right? We can't, I can't do that. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. I think he's saying two different things. Number one, that God is at work within us. That all the power that Jesus moved and operated in was from God the Father. And God the Father abides within everyone who believes in him. And that God's power is at work within us. And so can he heal? Absolutely. Can he raise the dead? Absolutely. Can he make the lame walk and the blind see? Yes, absolutely. And so it's our responsibility to go and we ask and we pray and we beg God to do not on our ability but on his ability. And we say, God, you can do all things. And so we're just asking asking you to do it. It's not Matt Overall, or it's not Bill Jones, or it's not TJ, or it's not Scott White. It's, it's, God, we're just asking you to do something because we can't. I believe that's what he's saying that we're allowed to do. I think the other thing that he's saying is to remember what Jesus did. Jesus walked consistently in the will of the Father. 
Everything that he said, everything that he did, his, his faith was evidenced in his action. And I believe that he's basically saying, if you have faith in me, you'll do what I've been doing. He's basically looking at us saying, listen, if you believe me, then your belief turns into obedience and your obedience turns into action. You'll live the way Jesus lived. You'll love the way Jesus loved. You'll interact with people and, and give grace to people and, and offer forgiveness to people the same way that Jesus did. And he did all this because that was the will of the Father. So can we do what Jesus did? Yeah, we can. We can live in the will of the Father. We can, we can seek people. We can love people. We can, we can trust and we can know. We can do all those things. But we can also interact with people just like Jesus did. We can extend grace. We can love. Because it all comes from one source. That's the Father. Remember, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And so can we do like Jesus does? Yeah, we can to an extent. But the other half of that verse, that he will do even greater things than these. This is the most incredible part to me. Because when I think about that, I think there's no way that I can do even greater than Jesus. Like it's Jesus. We had this conversation Wednesday night about James. If you don't know this, James, the author of James in your New Testament book, is the brother of Jesus. And so can you imagine growing up in the house with Jesus as your older brother? Like every time you did something stupid, your parents would look at you and go, why can't you be more like your brother? You're like, because he's God. You know, like, I got a great excuse. But there's this idea of we can't do things better than Jesus, right? There's no way we can do things greater than him. And I struggled with this because this is what God led me to. I'm like, God, this is kind of a weird verse, and I don't know how this is supposed to play out. But then I read this, and I, I think it's incredible. I'll put it on the screen. I think it's so good for us to hear. This is Ellicott's commentary. This is a commentary on Scripture. And this is what he said about this, and it just really brings a lot of good perspective. The explanation of these greater works is not to be sought in the individual instances of miraculous power exercised by the apostles or us, okay? But in the whole work of the church, it goes on to say, in the worldwide extent of Christianity, there's a work greater even than any which he himself did in the flesh. He left his kingdom as one of the smallest of the influences on earth but it has grown up as a mighty power all over the world and all of its purest and best in civilization and culture has found shelter in its branches. Church, we are the greater things. Isn't that not cool? We are, not as individuals, not, not, there's nothing about us that is even comparable to him, right? Not even as Emmanuel Baptist Church. And listen, I brag on you all the time. I hope that I try to do a good job of encouraging you because I think what God is doing within our church is incredible. Not we as Emmanuel Baptist Church. Even though we're impacting our community and we're impacting our state and we're impacting our nation with the gospel. It's not us that are these greater things, but the church universal. The church, not this building, not this structure, but you and I as a family of God, the people who gather in mega churches on Sunday mornings, the people who gather in grass huts on Sunday morning, people who, who have bluegrass honky-tonk worship music, to people who have dance techno worship music. I don't care what you listen to, as long as it's worship. Listen, to people who are having major prayer gatherings and seeing the Spirit of God move, to, to individuals who are meeting in darkened rooms, by, by a single low-voltage light bulb in fear of someone coming in and arresting them or their families finding out and excommunicating them 
Listen, we as a church are the greater things. When Jesus speaks this over us, he's saying, listen, this has to be every part of everything that you are. Because this, this, force, this is him foreshadowing our greatness. Listen, you guys are going to do greater things than me because I'm going to the Father. And when this church exploded, because listen, when Jesus left, it was little. It was the apostles. It was a little bit of people who had influence. And then they took that and under great persecution for hundreds of years... Listen, almost every disciple was killed for being associated with Jesus. From being stoned to death, to being beheaded, to being boiled alive. Listen, persecution like we never even imagined. Because they've said, I believe in who he was. That belief went further into my action and I'm going to act like he was. I'm going to believe, I'm going to do everything I can do to tell other people that he was who he was. And so this church that was started off so small began to grow. And people began to understand what grace and forgiveness looked like. And, and Paul took that to the Gentiles, like to the non-Jews. Thank you, Paul, because it's up to him that we are now the church. And, and God gives his grace to us just like he gave it to the Jews. And, and it continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And now we, we show up to something that we've organized as church. That we say from 10.30 to 11.30, if the preacher's short-winded, 10.30 to 11.45 most times. We went to church, but we don't really realize that we are the church. That we as believers gathered all over the place, all over the globe, are the church. And we are doing greater things than what he was able to accomplish. Because he was just able to accomplish what he could do in his own little circle. And he, and he put something out there and people flocked to it. That's why, we, that's why we continue to have church because of what Jesus did on this earth. And we are doing even greater things. That means that, that Sundays isn't just something that we do. That's just, this is just church things or just church the mindset or, or what we do while we're here. But it's infused in every aspect of our life. Many of us would say that we're not doing greater things. And I would say, why not? Why are we not? We have everything that we need at our disposal to do these greater things. And the problem is that we're complacent, right? We're satisfied. We're more concerned about our own comfort and our own wants and desires and our own feelings than we are with the greater things that God's called us to do as the church. That's why I believe this year things have to change, right? This year I'm going to challenge you to greater vision, to greater marriages, to greater leadership, to greater influence, to greater understanding, to greater parenting, to greater love, to greater obedience than we ever have before. This year's going to be a hard year. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to come alongside you. We're going to get through this together. But we're going to, we're going to push ourselves to live up to the words that God has already spoken over us, that we are supposed to be doing greater things. In church, too often we're sitting back and we're not doing anything. And so it's time for us to have greater vision. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Did you catch that last part? We're going to do these greater things because, because he's going to the Father. It's our responsibility. It's our obligation. It's our work to do because he's left. And sometimes we feel like that's exactly what we feel. Yeah, he left us. We don't have anything to hold on to. 
But he did that on purpose, I believe. Not so that we feel isolated or alone or incapable. Look what he says next. Verse 13. I'm going to do all these things. You're going to do greater things. I'm going to the Father. Verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may gain glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. This is incredible. Jesus just gave us this this incredible promise, but he's leaving us, but also he's providing help to us. I'm I'm leaving you, but you ask anything in my name, I'll do it for you. This is the reason, by the way, some of you don't know, this is the reason why we pray the way we pray. You've just grown up, like you've just grown up, you heard your grandpa or your parents or somebody in the church pray, and at the end of every prayer, what do we say? In Jesus' name, amen. That's the reason why we pray like this, because it's one verse. Because we say everything that we say in Jesus' name, Because if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Now, let's let's just pause here and think a second. Think about all the things you've been praying for. And then saying, in Jesus' name, like, please do it, God. Are these the kind of things he's asking us to ask for? Is that what he meant? Because listen, here's what we do. We, We say, God, if you'll give me blank then I'll do blank in Jesus' name, right? So y'all, listen, we fill that in with 5,000 different things, right? God, if you'll let me pass this test, if you're in school, God, let me pass this test and I'll do what, God, if you'll just heal my marriage, God, if you'll just give me my promotion, God, if you'll just let me get away with it this one time, God. God, if you'll just let me hit the Powerball, I'll give half of it to the church in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of y'all have been praying that prayer. I know it. Listen, is that the kind of stuff he wants us to be praying? Or, or should we not be really trying to figure out what the will of the Father is of the greater things he's called us to? And say, God, I want to do this because it's going to bring glory to your name. God, I'm asking that you give me opportunity in Jesus' name, I pray. See, that's what he's asking us to do. Some of the things that we pray for, yes, I think line up. All the things, I don't know. But he's telling us, if you'll do it, if you'll just ask, I'll give it to you. I'll do anything to bring glory to the Father. See, it's hidden in the middle of that. Whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. So there's the hook. I want this for your glory, God. I want this for your glory. I'm asking in Jesus' name. So, are your prayers more centered around your glory or His? Is what you're asking for this year, is your greater vision, and you've been thinking about what can I do that's greater, what can I do that's this, what can I do that's great? Is that greater vision surrounded by His glory or your glory? Because if it's yours, it's not going to come. No matter how much you ask for it. This greater vision has to be about not making ourselves great, not to boast in our accomplishment or draw attention to us in any way. Greater vision that we're praying for is for his name to be made great. I don't care if a single person outside of this town knows who Matt Overall is. I don't care if a single person outside of Bradley County knows what Emmanuel Baptist Church is doing. 
It's not about our church. It's not about our staff. It's not about how the wonderful things that God is doing here. It's about his name and his name only. That's the only thing that we're concerned for. That's the only thing that we're asking God for. So when we ask for greater vision and the things that we're asking for him to do within our church, it's not for our church's namesake. It's for his. We're praying all these things. That Malachi chapter 11, verse 1 says, My name will be made great among the nations. From where the sun rises to where it sets in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be made great among the nations. Nowhere in that does it say, Matt Overall will be made great among the nations. Nowhere in that to say anybody's individual name. Nobody's individual church. It says my name, and that's what we're shooting for, and that's what we're trying to do, and that's what we're, everything that we're doing for the, for the gospel is so that his name is known. Listen, I want kids in this area to know that there's a place that they could come and they can hear the name of Jesus. I want students to know they have a safe place and an environment where they can come on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings to, to, to understand and grow spiritually and know the name of Jesus. Listen, I've got students who, because I've been here for forever, it just feels like some of y'all are probably like, yeah, you have, it's time. Uh, I've been here for 14 years, right? 14 years this next month. What are we in? January? Two months from now. Two months from now will be my 14-year anniversary at Emmanuel. It's weird. Here's even what's weirder is I've got students who were like sixth graders who are married and having babies. That's weird. That means I'm old, and I don't like that. But what it means is they've been able to connect, and they can come back and say, you know what? I don't remember everything that you taught. I've had this conversation. I don't remember everything that you taught. I don't really remember anything that you taught. But I do remember that that church was my church. That church is where I could go. It was a safe place for me. Listen, it's not about what we, quote unquote, do. It's about what God is doing. And it's about making his name great. It's not about us. It's all about him. Here's my last thought, and I'm done, and I'm way out of time, so I'm, I'm trying to get through it. I wholeheartedly believe that if greater vision begins with, with knowing, uh, trusting, knowing, believing, and doing. Okay, So Jesus gives us one more reality, and it ties us all together, and it's going to be hard. Okay, So let's just gut check it, everybody, right now. John 14, 15 says this, If you love me, you'll obey what I command. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And so, church, this do is bigger than just doing something to keep us busy. It's about obedience. And so if this is true, if John 14, 15 is true, then the reverse negative has to be true as well. And that reverse negative is, if you don't obey me, then you don't love me. If, if you love me, you obey what I command is true. Then if you don't obey, then you don't love. And that's hard. Because some of you would say, listen, I, I love Jesus. I mean, I do whatever I want, and I don't rarely ever seek his counsel, and I kind of barely even show up to church and occasionally make that a priority, rarely give a tithe. Maybe I don't ever even study my Bible, and I don't serve in any capacity within the church, and I've never really shared my faith with anybody, but I love Jesus. Do you? If you're not doing what he says, if you're not obeying, then you don't love him. Jesus says, if you love me, you obey me. So my question as we end today is, do you really love him? 
Do you really love him? The equation, listen, this is so simple. The equation for greater vision is our four points. Trusting, knowing, believing, do. Trusting, knowing, believing, do. And if we just, if we kind of ingrain that in our head over the next month and over the next couple of months, really, as we continue to flesh out greater vision and, and all the different aspects that, that goes into, every instance in your life, you go, do I trust him? Do I know him? Do I believe him? I'm going to do it. Whatever God's calling us to as a church, the changes that we need to make as a church, do we trust him? Do we know him? Do we believe him? Let's do it. This is the equation for greater vision. This is what we're going to continue to come back to over and over and over collectively. But listen, I believe there's things in our own lives, in our own houses, in our own hearts that need to be challenged by this. So church, my question as we end is, do you love him? Because if you love him, then you obey him. TJ's going to come. I'm going to ask if you will stand with me and bow your head and we're going to pray and have a moment of invitation. This is an opportunity for you to step out in faith and say, you know what? I trust, I know, I believe, and now it's time for me to do. Maybe your doing is different. Maybe your doing this morning is just saying, you know what? I'm committing, I'm recommitting everything that is going to happen. I'm restructuring everything in this idea of greater vision. I want to live with greater vision, not only in my family, not only in my finances, not only with my children, not only with my business, but I want to do it with what God has for me as well. This greater vision is all-encompassing. It's not just church stuff that it influences. It's everything. Maybe you've been hung up in one of those. Yeah, I trust him. really don't know as much as I should. I mean, I believe what he says, but I haven't been doing it. Maybe, maybe you've been hung up on all of them and you really don't know him and you really don't believe in him because you really are struggling through how could he love someone like you. Well, guess what? He does. Today can be the day that you nail that down. Today can be the day that you walk away going, you know what? I know that he loves me and I love him. It's time to move forward. Some of you need to join the church. Some of you just need to get things right. Some of you need to mend relationships. Your greater vision is maybe within your family or with outside of your, you know, your circle group with people that you know that there's, there's something not right and you need to make that right. Whatever God's leading you to in this moment, then I pray that you surrender it to him. I'll be up here. Dustin will be up here. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you just a few moments. We're not going to wait long. I'm going to give you a few moments to deal with what God's placed on your heart. If you need to come talk to us, then you please come talk to us. You need to come pray at the altar. This is your opportunity to do that. Let's Hey, this is Matt Overall. I'm the pastor here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Just want to say thanks so much for watching our services, whether through our television ministry or our online ministry. We appreciate you so much being a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church, and we'd love to have you come and join our worship service. Uh, Sunday morning service starts at 10.30. Our small groups start at 9.30. And we'd love to have you be a part of it. We've got a lot of different ministries that happen at Emmanuel, from our children and youth that's focused on Wednesday nights to our uh, women's Bible studies that happen throughout the week. We'd love to have you be a part of everything that's going on here at Emmanuel. Thanks for watching.